The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Dr. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week we mark 30 years of the movie Unforgiven. That's right, the film about Clint Eastwood being an old cowboy is 30 years old and Clint is happily, at the time of the recording, still with us as an even older cowboy. Uh, but yes, we're going back and looking at this film, um, a, a Best Picture winner at the Oscars um, from the early 90s, and we're going to see how it holds up and uh, whether or not anything does need forgiving in Unforgiven. As always, I'm joined by someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film before it's Katrina Johnston. Hey, Stephen. How are you, Katrina? I'm good. I have recovered from laughing at you for how much you didn't like Fifth Element. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I kept trying to get you on for weeks and you were like, no, 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 it's still too funny. Uh, but yes, um, yeah, I still don't like it. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there. Still, Yeah, like I, I said, give it a couple of years, I yeah. think, until it's faded into a bit of a memory. Mm. Uh, and then rewatch it uh, when, you're, when you've had a nap mm. and I think, and then come talk to me. I am less tired than yes, I was when we did good. that. I was. I think I'm going to put it down to me being very grumpy and tired that day, <laughs> more so than the film not being good. Yeah. Even though it wasn't great. It's uh, <laughs> fine. Unforgiven. Yes. Um, what do you know about this film? Literally nothing. I know I, as soon as you asked me, I Googled it on, um, on Google um, and was like, oh, is this a film with Ken Wantabi? Uh, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Ken... One Tabe. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, great. I really like him. And then I saw, like, oh, disambiguation on Wikipedia. I'm like, hmm. Oh, it's a 1992 Clint Eastwood film. Mm. Oh, that's probably more likely. <laughs> yes. No, I'm sorry. It's it's not the other version. But, yeah. I mean, we may get to that one, though. Maybe. It, from the looks of it, it's a remake of the 92 version and mm. just sets it in 1880 Japan. Mm. So maybe this will inspire me to go watch that. Yes, and uh, do you like Clint Eastwood westerns, Katrina? Um, well, I've only seen the two, mm. which I think were uh, yeah, I've seen the two. One on this podcast with my partner Scott, um, which was I think it was it was a fistful of fistful dollars, of dollars. Yeah. and I've also seen um, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm. also with my partner Scott, but mm. not on the podcast. Mm. Um, and like they're fine. I think generally the cowboy genre, Western genre, I do not massively enjoy mm. um, because, you know, pesky feminism gets in the way. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, it ruins a lot of, a lot of yeah. innocent, uh, but very toxic masculine films. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and I feel that this film, because of Clint Eastwood, will probably no, be, be no different. Okay. So, yeah. I must admit, it has been a long time since I've seen this film. Mm. Um, I think I was like 14 when I saw it, which, yeah. given it's an R-rated film, uh, I, don't, I don't know what Mr. and Mrs. Platt were doing letting me watch it. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's my, my memory of it is is pretty vague, I'll be honest. it's I, I seem to mostly just remember that Clint Eastwood was a bit 
older and that Morgan Freeman's in it. That That's sort of yeah. the main things that I remember. Luckily, though, we have someone who has seen the film. Uh, mm-hmm. So riding in uh, to join our posse, it is Dan Buckle. Howdy. Uh, howdy, Dan. Um, how, how's life in the world of Dan? Uh, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's a moving frenzy. I love moving house. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And fun fact, I just moved from this area. Oh! <laughs> like, I normally have to travel a fair distance to get to Stephen's podcasts. Mm. The one time I move from the sticks... I have to go right back there. Yeah, sorry about that. I was waiting until you've moved out before I... I Well, cheers. (laughs) Uh, Daniel, um, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can you tell us about Unforgiven? Oh, don't you worry, Stephen. I can be very non-spoilery because you summed up exactly my thoughts on the matter. (laughs) It has been since probably I was about 14 Mm. when I last saw this film. Um, I don't know what Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Platt were thinking letting me watch it. Um, yeah, it was very weird. Yeah. We didn't know each other then. <laughs> no, but we shared the roof. We certainly did. Um, <laughs> you were the little gremlin hiding under <laughs> yes. the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. I said chair, roof, not house. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I do indeed remember Morgan Freeman's in it. Clint Eastwood's a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, someone does something that uh, it's uncertain as to whether they can forgive it or not. Okay. Um, I didn't remember that it was R-rated. So, yeah, well, I, I saw that when I was doing my research because the other thing I remember from this film is Richard Harris is in it. Oh, um, it's Richard Richard Harris. Yeah, and uh, I remember because it was one of the, I'd, I'd seen the Harry Potter films with him in it, so I was used to him as I'm very nice, dumb. <laughs> and in this, not so much because <laughs> uh, really? it was a gritty western. Yeah, so it's yeah. I remember everyone being a bit not nice as people. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I, mean, it, I mean, it's yeah. a Western. That's pretty standard. Yes. True, yeah. But it, even more so for a Western, okay. for memory. I, it feels as though it's kind of like, yeah, but even even the good guys are not good guys. Yeah, this is like the gritty Western. Very yeah. gritty. So, okay. uh, yeah, gone are the paint your wagon days. Uh, Say no more. <laughs> a film that I have also not seen. <laughs> oh, the, the, in fact, can we watch that one instead? Uh, it's already been done, I think. Oh, we, really? We haven't done paint oh, your wagon. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, you'll you'll have to pry forgive it. you. You'll have to uh, you'll have to forgive me, and you'll have to pry it from Dr. Ellen Sears' cold dead hands because uh, I think she's pretty keen. No, to watch that's it. that's fair. She can appreciate it in ways I can. And I and I feel like if we have to pry it from. Dr. Ellen Sears is cold dead hands. I don't think Stephen will invite us back on the podcast for having killed his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah that 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 is definitely an automatic uh, black dot against yeah. your name. Yeah. Black, uh, a single black dot. Single black dot. The name. It's just like, <laughs> no, nah, shouldn't have done that. Um, yep, that'll, that'll count against the points. Uh, so, with all that being said, yeah. shall we watch Unforgiven? I don't know yes. if I could forgive you if we don't. <gasps> okay. Yeehaw. Well, for those of you. Um, watching at home pop on those dvds load up those streaming services and remember that you better bury ned right as we watch unforgiven Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Unforgiven. And I'm joined once again by my special guests, Daniel Buckle. Hello. And Katrina Johnston. Hello. Katrina, that was your first time watching Unforgiven. What did you think? I am pleasantly surprised, but also confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I made the comment probably about, I think it was 
about maybe half an hour in, I was like, this is actually a really good commentary on, um, or a very interesting exploration of how uh, traumatic events need to involve, the solution to traumatic events need to involve a survivor and, you know, the, the question of justice, depending who it's coming from and everything. Mm. And then um, it unfortunately didn't explore that enough for me. No. And, and then it just... It felt cohesive, but also it didn't. Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting watching this for the first time in ooh, close to 20 years. Than yeah. me. And also watching it as someone who's an adult, been, an adult yeah. and been looking at films in at least somewhat of a review, reviewee type eye for the mm. last five years in this program, where it does feel like there are two different stories being told. Yeah. And the first half of the film is story A and the second mm. half of the film is story B. Yeah. And where they meet doesn't quite work for me but mm. but i like both stories yeah like the concept of you know um un- unfortunately um uh sex workers and women in particular being mm. brutalized in the old west is not uncommon um in fact it's a trope of the genre but this yeah. film going and we're starting with it but we're not then focusing on the perpetrators we're focusing on who has or been even, victimized or even no, I would argue that it's not even focusing that much on the victim. Um, well, true. It focuses on... It focuses on the, other people's reactions to them. Yeah, I suppose the the victim class being the mm. other sex workers, because we don't hear from Delilah much no. um, until the second half of the film. And it's kind of like an, an interesting way for that film to start. And then it ties in this sort of more classic one last job for the old grizzled gunslinger thing. Yeah. Um, where it, it kind of feels like what the film was going for was, no, no, he's good now. He doesn't go around murdering people. And then the film... Oh, wait, now he does. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. It turns out the only way he can solve his problems is to be the worst. Um, <laughs> and it's... I don't know, Dan. It's it's interesting because I, do, I don't dislike the film at all. I think it's, it's, it's quite a good film. But I, I do think that it's a bit inconsistent in, in the story it's trying to tell. Yeah, um, interesting... Yeah, talk about the, it seeming like two films. I I definitely agree, um, which is maybe why it feels so long. Mm. Um, maybe because I, I like, yeah, it's it's not as long as some of the films that I enjoy and don't feel that with. But it mm. it feels quite long, not necessarily in a bad way. Yeah, but you feel a bit mm. as tired as Clint Eastwood looks mm. by the end of it. It, yeah. it is very much a a like meditation on getting old. Uh, in some respects. Mm. Well, I guess. And, and you're yeah, having that slow pace and our main characters are all men in their, at least their 50s. Yeah. Um, because even the, the baddie, Gene Hackman, is is not a young man in this mm. film. Uh, and, you know, English Bob is, you know, Dumbledore, uh, yes. for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, it's... it's no, no, none of the sort of principal cast or who the story mm. focuses on, certainly the men, are... Oh, they're not young men. We Except we... that young guy who is short-sighted. Oh, yeah, so oh, yes. he's the a young Schofield, guy. The Schofield kid. Mm, yeah. But he has bad eyesight, so he's effectively an old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it is interesting that the film um, sort of focuses on these characters. And I think what might be sort of important to remember is when this film came out. Mm. It's 1992, and Westerns were very much a thing for a while in Hollywood and they were yeah. a very specific type of film like even as people like Clint Eastwood and John Wayne were getting older they were still you know yeehaw super powered 
mm. people with guns, basically. You know, um, they, they were essentially the the Marvel superheroes of their day. It was just that they wore hats and went pew pew uh, mm-hmm. with with pistols. And it's interesting that because because the Western as a genre died on its ass in the 70s. Mm. Like Blazing Blazing Saddles basically came along and just sort of kicked it like it was Richard Harris in the dirt. <laughs> just went, oh, it, this this format's really tired and jokes about it until no one can take Western seriously yeah. for anymore. Kicked them right in the headley. Yeah, right in the headley. And uh, headley, headley. <laughs> and it this film kind of brought Westerns back into certainly American film. Into repute. Consciousness. Yeah, and into repute. I mean, yeah. this... This won four Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Like, and and it won Best Director for for Clint Eastwood. This was his first Oscar. Yeah, I can definitely, and I can definitely see why. Mm. Like, there are some moments where I'm like, yeah, this is a bit clunky, or mm. like that whole moment of when they're riding and the storms coming up behind mm. them, and, is, and Morgan Freeman's like, see those storm clouds? Cut to storm clouds. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> yeah, just like weird stock footage thing of yeah. some clouds. Yeah, yeah, it's- just. Just had some moments like that, yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, a very mm. well put together film. Yeah, and you know the story is isn't boring. I would say the story is, even though it feels like it's two separate stories put together. I was at no point was I going, oh, looking at my watch, going, when when's this going to wrap up? Yeah, because I was engaged, and I think it's because they've got characters that are unusual for the archetypes and positions they hold. Mm. I think Little Bill is a really unusual villain. Yeah, I think he's interesting because in a, in a way, both him and William Money are kind of two... They've, they've come from very similar backgrounds, I think. Mm. They've both mm. obviously been the outlaw and then William Money has been turned by the... Uh, Claudia. Calming effects of a good woman. I say. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I thought you. I thought you were forgetting her name. Teeth. I didn't. I didn't realize that, that was just you going. I hate this trope. <laughs> yes, I hate this trope yeah. because I have been the that person. I have been the female mm. in that trope. Basically, any woman who has been in a classroom where there's rowdy boys mm. have been that trope. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why I hate it. Um, Whereas I think little Bill has... It's kind of hard to tell what he's... Maybe he hasn't changed. Maybe he's just gotten a bit older and he's like, oh, well, I might die soon. So, I'll go on the right side of the law in quotation marks. Hmm. Therefore, I'm a bit less likely to die straight away. It's almost as though he's adapted to the fact he's getting older Mm. in a very different way to what William... Because the way that they were living as outlaws was unsustainable. And so many of the characters that they talk about with excellent names are all dead. Mm. They're all people going, you know, oh, he died in 73, all those kind of things. Mm. These characters, Will and Ned and little Bill have survived yeah. and have found a way to live, but they're not living like they used to. That's mm. the thing. Mm. And, you know, Will and Ned went down the found a good woman route, um, which, you know, is essentially just that they retired. Yeah. They, they, you know, Will's struggling. Ned looks like his farm's going okay, but we don't really see enough of, of it to really get a sense of that. He does yeah. jump to doing the job pretty quickly. I think that's more a testament to the relationship he has with Bill or with uh, William yeah. rather than anything. Yeah, um, but for little Bill, it does feel as though he went, "Oh, being a sheriff—that's that's actually that's a, pretty, a pretty cushy job." And you know, he's mm. definitely 
cementing himself within that community. He's building a house. He's building it badly, but he's building a house to, you know, settle in there for the rest of his life. Mm. And he's got very strict rules. Everyone follows them, even though they don't like him it's very clear yeah because he's he's running a, a little tyranny in in this town of I big mean, whiskey it might actually be the majority of the town actually do like him it's mm. just the sex workers who don't mm. oh really it's just strawberry alice who doesn't from the looks of it and mm. the rest of her uh of, of the girls that work with her seem to just be banding behind her because she's their leader. Yeah. Like even the girl that gets cut up. Um, Delilah. Delilah. Mm. She doesn't seem to be that happy about the deaths of the, of the men who like, who hurt her. And I think that's really interesting as well, because mm. the, f- the film does start off with this sort of semi-focus on victimhood, even though it's not yeah. Delilah. That we, Delilah doesn't talk. Yeah. For the first half of the film. It's 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 all the other uh, sex workers who are going like, I can chip in 240 like these things. Yeah, mm. We're going to get these men. We're going to get some agency and power back because, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that they're choosing to do that. But then when they see the consequences of their actions, when Davy's body is brought to the town. Yeah. Like the fact that Delilah and the other younger sex working girls are horrified mm. or they're, you know, very unhappy about it. Um, or as Strawberry Alice is like, no, he had what was coming to him, basically. Yeah. It's really interesting how how that that position of one of their sort of brood being attacked and mm. victimised has become political capital for Strawberry Alice in yeah. the town. She's probably also, yeah, seen just so much of that in mm. her history and, and that town that, um, yeah, she's had enough. It, it It's interesting the different ways the older and younger characters mm. respond to violence having been done to them and doing violence to others. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the people who have gotten used to it have done so in different ways. And, and like, um, yeah, Bill's obviously totally fine with it. Uh, and Ned and Will were, but then they very much, um, in their quote-unquote healing processes, um, mm. yeah, uh, have turned their back on their way on those mm, old yeah. ways, and Ned can't even kill anyone. And anymore. that's and it's really interesting that Ned doesn't discover that until he's got the rifle in his hands. Mm. Mm. Will Will knows he doesn't want to do that anymore, and ends up being driven into it because of Ned's death. Mm. Um, that feels like it was the final straw that broke him back into being uh, the, basically the, the Old West Terminator. Yeah. Um, the Old West Terminator. <laughs> there's a film. <laughs> um, but, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the Doctor Who episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. There is. There is. With Matt Smith. It's Matt Smith. Yeah. And that's the episode where he's like, this horse's name is Susan, and he re- he asks you respect his choices. <laughs> that's right. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but But yeah, Ned having that moment of freezing up, it's really interesting how there's a lot of humanity to the violence until the final act. Yes. Where it is, it's showing, yeah, this is a rough place to live. You know, um, the, the home setting, you know, to use Lord of the Rings as a reference, the Shire from which Will comes from mm. is literally pig shit. Like he, yeah. he's just fallen over trying to get pigs going and they're all dying of pig fever and pig fever yeah and he's got um you know he's got two kids and his wife's dead like the 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 Mm. home idyllic for him is hard the whole world that they're in is hard nobody has it easy unless they've been like little bill basically Mm. and he's only gotten into that position of comfort by literally being the worst person and it's interesting that when we then have that scene where they track down the first of the two 
um, cowboys that they were getting for the bounty from mm. the, the sex workers. That, yeah, he... Ned can't do it. Will does do it um, with, with the shot through the gut, but then still, you know, shows the, I, I guess, decency... Is, I don't know if that's the right guess, word. Yeah. Because compassion's not the right word, but it, it kind of is as well. Where, where they yeah. allow the other cowboys to give Davy water as he's dying. Mm. I think it's because also they they realise that they haven't given him a good death. Yeah. Uh, because, well, if movies have taught me anything, um, getting shot in the belly is the worst place mm. because it is, you are aware of it, you're, it's a very slow, agonising death. Yeah. And especially I think, if you're Tim Roth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Um, and... But he's yeah. broken his leg as well. Yeah, and that mm. too. Yeah. Well, I think that's even that's not as bad as a shot in the gut. No, but it, he, it he, takes so long to yeah. kill you. But but the end of his his the end of Davy's life. And remember, mm. Davy was not the one that cut up Delilah. Yeah, he was just with him. Davy was yeah, he was with him, and he, he he seems like someone who tried to do the right thing by his mind, where he yeah. tries to give the extra horse to Delilah, mm. which is rejected um, by by Strawberry Alice. And he clearly didn't like what his friend did. Yeah, and and no one asked Delilah, "Do you want a horse?" <laughs> like, no, no. yeah, it was yeah. yeah. She yeah. even stepped forward as if she was about to go. Yeah, she, okay, mm. yeah. In the context of the scene, she looked quite happy with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It. It. Yeah. it, it, it is. It is sort of interesting that this film has ended and nobody has gotten what they want. Mm. And, it's, and I think that's the point of it. Yeah, it's it's quite good. Uh, can we talk about English Bob for a bit? Because, <laughs> again, it's it kind of tying into that two films feel. It, it does feel as though Richard Harris was just on a bit of a jolly in this film. I really thought he was going to be involved a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as he started getting beaten up, I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not going to be that involved. Or, in or he's going to maybe team up with... Uh, Clint Eastwood and it'll be two old skinny dudes no, running I around didn't town. Think, I think he was eventually I, I thought he was eventually going to get turned by little Bill mm. and he would he would basically go and hunt right. Clint Eastwood's character. Yeah. Um, that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But yeah, it was like, I was like, what was the I guess the whole point of the character was to show how unhinged little Bill could be. And also to show the ideology of people like Little Bill and William because when William has his Terminator moment at the end Mm. of the film where he does shoot five guys in a bar, he does it in exactly the way that Little Bill told Mr. Beauchamp Mm. about how you, you... win in except in I don't think but, Will has actually put any thought into it yeah indeed because no. yeah. um, they all each mm. of those three old well four including Ned um, old killers have a different sort of mm. reason why they've mm. been able to survive this mm. long like little Bill was just keep a cool head um, and yeah the others all mm. had their, their various ways but um, Will was all just like nah I've just been lucky mm. well I think Will thinks like that but I think that he and little Bill operate quite similarly in those sure. scenarios I think one's, mm. one's actually mentally aware of it and the other isn't maybe. yeah because what like goku it, and vegeta exactly they're like goku and vegeta mm. which one's goku <laughs> do not that, that, that's dragon ball z right yeah. yeah yeah i do not know that enough no, that's <laughs> fair it, well it's just like that it's just like that <laughs> you telling me the bounties over nine thousand? <laughs> yeah, except the fight happens over years yes <laughs> Um, yeah, the thing with Little Bill was interesting as well, and I I feel like it plays into the the like 
um, sub-theme of the film, which is dispelling old tropes of mm. the old cowboy superhero mythology type thing mm. of like this, this crack shot comes into town and he's, he talks a big game and he mm. can shoot really well, but he just gets his ass handed to him, mm. kicked down the street, and then he goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As opposed to some big revenge plot or whatever. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it, it, it is interesting just how it's been pieced together. I I, I think it's, it, yeah, just, just the more I think about it, the more I go, well, that was a choice that I don't know worked, but then the whole film as a whole. Kind of does. It, it is, it is a, it's a good film. I don't know if mm. it's brilliant. I, and like the fact that it won the Best Picture Oscar, I find a little surprising, but mm. w- without having looked up what it was up against, it may have been up against, you know, Ernest goes to mm. the beach or something. Yes, <laughs> which is why I asked, yeah, what it was up against. Because, yeah, yeah I, I feel the same. It's like, yeah, this is, this is good. And I really liked the um, uh, photography and, and, and all that. But um, I wouldn't have called it Best Picture Ever. Well, the films it was up against, uh, we've re- we've reviewed one of them on this oh. podcast. Uh, it was up against The Crying Game. I have not seen. Um, no, no. I would say this is a better film than The Crying Game. I think it's certainly an easier film to give the Oscar to. Right, yeah. The Crying Game is quite good, um, but it's a very different sort of film. Um, uh, a Few Good Men, uh, Howard's really? End and Scent of a Woman was what it was up against. That's right. that's quite a prestigious yeah, yeah. list. Yeah, so I would have put a few good men over this as best picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and mind like, you, it's been a while since I saw it, that as well. Yeah, I mean, they're all good films. They, they, it turns out, yeah, ninety two was was a good year for, yeah. for these films. Um, Clint also won for best director. Uh, he overcame the directors of three of those films I just mentioned, uh, Neil Jordan for The Crying Game, James Ivory for Howard's End, and Martin Brest for Scent of a Woman. Uh, also, uh, Robert Altman for The Player. So, yeah, I mean... I mean, mm. as I think lay people, we are becoming more aware of how the Oscars are... The choice of the Oscars is very political. Mm. Um, mm. Like, it was no... It wasn't un, uh, like it wasn't surprising, for example, when that that one year that Jamie Fox and Halle Berry won Best Actor and Best Actress, mm-hmm. um, because I think it was Denzel Washington. Oh, but yeah, because Jamie Fox yeah. won a couple of years afterwards. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know that made them the first. They were like, oh well, people have been complaining that we're too white, and this was you know back in the early two thousands. Mm. So we'll. We'll, we'll give one over. And obviously, they were both still very deserving. Um, but it's... I always wonder if, like, may, maybe... Oh, maybe that particular year, the crying... Like, the other games... The other games. The other films. Yeah, the crying game. The um, unforgiving game. game <laughs> the smelly woman game. That's what Son of a Woman's about, right? Yeah. Smelly, smelly woman. May, maybe they were like, oh, well, Howard's End, that's, that's about queers or something, isn't it? I'm... I must admit, I haven't seen Howard's End. I'm pretty sure that's like an Edith Wharton. I, I know Emma Thompson won the Oscar for Best Actress for being in that film. Uh, uh, but yes. Is, is that a Howard? Uh, the film's narrative explores class relations in turn of the 20th century Britain through the events uh, in the lives of the Schlegel sisters. 
Sopranos. So it's um, yeah. class so yeah, period. So drama. it could be like, oh no, that's too British. We don't want to give it to a British film, and mm. blah blah blah, and you know all those sort of political games that are played within the Academy. Yeah. Um, um, Clint Eastwood didn't like... win Best Actor. He was up for Best Actor for oh, this film. Okay. Uh, he missed out to Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman. I mean, fair enough. Um, I mean, I don't think Clint Eastwood was amazing in this. No. Like, he was fine for what the character was. Yeah. But I kind of... I, I felt Gene Wilder was more interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, felt Morgan Freeman was more interesting. I was yeah, going to say, totally. I, I do have to point out, you just said Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder? Is what, uh, what's his name? He's Gene Hackman. But he would have been great yeah. in this as well. Now, now, yeah, but this a, is my shooting hand. A Western with Gene Wilder. <laughs> I can recommend one of them, but we'll get to uh, Blazing Saddles another day. Um, but yeah, it was... Yeah, it's it is interesting. I mean, Gene Hackman did win the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Yeah, and I think I, it was definitely I think deserved. I mean, he did quite well. Yeah, he, Although, he's good. It's funny because his character in this does remind me of his character in the Sharon Stone Western, the one that I that I actually oh. mentioned last time I was on at, uh, on a Western. The we, Quick and the, the Dead. The Dead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which yes, is yes. very it's so schlocky and it's like you know got, what. It's I've, got Russell Crowe. I've just realised yeah. that, yeah, a lot of Gene Hackman that I was expecting this film, it's because of The Quick and the Dead. Oh, really? I was, <laughs> I was waiting for that to come up. And he kind of plays a very similar character. He yes, plays, he, he does. plays a, an outlaw who becomes mayor of a town mm. and rules over that little town. Talks very similarly as well. Yeah, and mm. like just... Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. I totally forgot about that movie. Oh, it's a good, it's a good film. It's yeah, it's a good fun film. Yeah. Um, I think this, in in a weird way, this one actually definitely wins points for me. For there's a level of authenticity to it mm. that a lot of westerns that I have seen, at least, which is not many, um, seem to lack. Mm. Mm. Like the only thing that I, I would be like, it's a little bit unbelievable how and this is going to sound odd to our ears mm. but it's a little bit unbelievable how disrespected the sex workers are because in reality the the sex workers were like the pillar of a frontier community mm. because again I hate the trope but it but it is there's a reason why it exists mm. of the calming civilizing influence of women within a town. Mm. Usually the sex workers were the first women in the frontier town because they knew they could make money. Mm. And frequently the saloon owners were women and would use the money that they got from from the from the brothels that they ran, from the saloons that they ran, and actually made a community. Like those towns wouldn't have existed, existed without the brothels because then there wouldn't have been money to go into schools, mm. into shops and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no civic infrastructure would have, yeah. would have happened. Because yeah. you've seen it. They're literally just a street. Like, you know, mm. it's, it's all of these old west towns are quite dependent on what they can offer. And what they can offer is a little bit of shelter, but cowboys don't generally need that sometimes, you know, yeah. food and drink and uh, the pleasures of the flesh. Yeah. You know, it's and, and, you know, that's I think pleasures of the flesh is the one that you're going to find the hardest to find out in the desert. Yeah, I'm just glad you said pleasures of the flesh twice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to be uh, delicate with with how we talk about this. But but I mean it's yeah I, I think it is interesting that this film I can't think of a film that came before Unforgiven that put a focus on the sex workers in the town mm. as anything more than than just background. Yeah, than just background or like, eye candy. Like a, a good example mm. is. Um, 
to what you're saying is uh, what was the other Western that I did with you? Um, um, a fistful of dollars? Yes, fistful of dollars. Whereas the female character, I think she was a sex worker from memory. I can't recall now. Can't recall because she wasn't that important, mm. really. Um, and I think if I'm remembering that film correctly, the only important female character was like the matriarch of the town of the like the town Mexicans or Spanish people or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and and yeah, and that's yeah, that is a rarity. In fact, the only film I can think of that predates this, which mm. has sex workers, uh, a Western... As, as fully fleshed characters? Well, as, yeah. as an integral part of the plot, mm. is Paint Your Wagon. Oh, where, really? <laughs> where, <laughs> where one of the key plot points is they steal um, a town's whores, I think <laughs> is how it's phrased in that film. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. But they literally steal the sex workers from one town to set up their own town. <laughs> Which ties into the community, yeah. Which yeah. ties into the community building thing, yeah. yeah it's it, it it is just a really strange, but strangely like quite good film. I'm forgiven. Yeah. Like it's yeah. I mean, it is it, it it is a revenge fantasy film, but it's not in the typical. It's not a power fantasy, mm. which I think yeah, is really interesting. I think it does show how revenge screws everyone up mm-hmm. no as you said nobody really gets what they want out of the end of the film maybe strawberry alice because the proprietor the oh yeah owner, skinny's gone yeah skinny's gone so she could probably take over mm. yeah there is definitely a power vacuum in that yeah that town, but, yeah could bandits move in and set up something mm. the same or worse mm. uh yeah a lot of people died there i mean oh, yeah. not not everyone in that final yeah, saloon it was did, very but. interesting how when the first uh cowboy who did who was involved in the original crime mm. got shot we were like is that the first person who's died yeah mm. or and been shot at yeah, least yeah been shot, which a, was quite unusual yeah a lot of the um violence was was physical it was you know yeah, getting Kick, beaten up and stuff, but everyone everyone survived. Mm. And it, it built that tension. It, it, actually, I think it did a really good job of earning a almost superhuman gunfight for yeah. Clint yeah. Eastwood's character. Yeah. Where it was like, oh no, he's he's clicked back into his old West Terminator mode. Mm. And, and the fact that it was tied into what Little Bill had been saying earlier in the film about it's about keeping your head, not about being the quickest. Yeah. Because mm. otherwise you'll shoot your toe off, like that yeah. kind of thing. Um. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's just pretty good. It is. The, the, the soundtrack maybe leaves a little to be desired. Yeah, you? there was like as as I said during while we were watching it, there's just some of the background, like some of the traveling music. Mm. It makes me think of a '90s episode of um, oh, you know, it makes me think of a film, um, probably around from around this era, maybe a little bit later, called Texan Women, mm. with a young Angelina Jolie. And it's just about two women who live in, who, who like grow up as kids in Texas um, and they go their separate ways. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, it just makes me think of like, some of that music made me think of, yeah, rom-com, Lifetime movie, Anna Green Gables kind mm. of vibe. It was, yeah, it was very, felt a bit out of place, but I guess maybe in the early nineties would have felt a bit, made a bit more sense. Mm. Yeah, it it was a bit a bit reminiscent of some of the um, mm. old Western type music as well, which was often very deliberate and slow paced. Yeah. Um, uh, 
yeah, maybe it was maybe it was a reference to those as well. I think yeah, it was probably was an attempt at a reference, but it yeah strayed into the too romantic. I felt like I wouldn't describe any of the music out of the um, the Dollars Trio mm-hmm. films um, as romantic, and yeah, it's yeah, and I think that's also. An interesting point where I don't know if Unforgiven works as well if you're not familiar with Clint Eastwood's career before that. It, yeah. Because it's unusual to see him in any of his Western roles, certainly before this, mm. struggling to get on a horse, yeah. struggling to make shots. Struggling was, to do anything. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, because I'm pretty sure Clint Eastwood himself is quite an accomplished horseman. Mm. Um, so I'm like, that's quite impressive. It's just like with dancers, being able to... A dancer who can, or a horseman who can fake being bad at what they're very highly trained to do mm. is always very, is, is interesting. And yeah. And again, it was, I, I do wonder if you had come to Unforgiven mm. as having never seen any Western with Clint Eastwood in it, which includes Paint Your Wagon, um, then whether or not you would look at it and go, oh, this is actually, I wonder if the effect is still there because Clint Eastwood is very much the, the Superman of the I Western genre. I think it still would have been there because he's still got the he's still got the archetype, even outside the westerns, of being the gruff man who mm. who knows how to handle himself and everything. I mean, you think Dirty Harry. Yeah. If you'd seen a Dirty Harry and then mm. you saw this, mm. and I haven't seen Dirty Harry, yeah. I've just seen bits and pieces mm. of it, um, or even or something uh, closer to when we're recording this, Gran Torino. Yeah. Mm. Um, if you've seen that and then you saw this, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is a bit odd. Mm. This is a bit of a juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah, it's an interesting film. An interesting film for which I have trivia. Would you like some <laughs> trivia about Please, Unforgiven? Yes. <clears throat> okay, all of this trivia comes from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia. Although the score was arranged by Lenny Niehaus, the main theme was written by Clint Eastwood. Mm. Now, I can't hum it. So it, it's not particularly memorable, <laughs> but it, it didn't make me go, ooh. It's, yeah. It felt appropriate. Yeah. I, I always have trouble, yeah, remembering music and yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's no, it's no um, the good, the bad and the ugly. No, but, but I mean. It's fine. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is not any Morricone in that field. I, yes. I don't think if we'd gotten Morricone to be physically in a Western, I don't think he would have done a great job. Yeah, probably. So, I certainly don't think he would have been iconic. No. He could have probably fallen off the horse, though, I reckon. <laughs> that could have happened. Uh, Clint Eastwood's mother, Ruth Wood. Interestingly, not Ruth Eastwood. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But anyway. Stage name. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Wood. Uh, Toiled through an uncomfortable day wearing a heavy dress as an extra filming a scene where she boards a train. This scene ended up being cut from the yeah. film and uh, Clint had to apologise to his mum saying <laughs> uh, that the movie was too long and something had to go. All was forgiven though when he brought her to the Academy Awards and thanked her prominently in his acceptance speech. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's, that's a pretty sure he's like, if I cut you, I reckon I'll get an Academy Award. You Every- do that, son. Okay, ma. I, I assume Ruth Wood talks like Clint Eastwood. 100%. You made me toil in a dress, Clint. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, a think, good one, son. You think, you think you could love your mother more? 
Uh, the boots that Clint Eastwood wore in this film were the same ones he wore in the Rawhide television series. Hey. I mean, from what I understand mm. of cowboy boots, they take a long time to break in. They certainly do. Uh, the boots are now part of Eastwood's private collection. In 2005, he loaned them to the Sergio Leone exhibit at the um, Gene Autry Museum of Western Heritage in Los Angeles, California. Um, so, yeah, just just a fun fact. They're the, yeah. they're the Rawhide Famous boots. boots. Famous boots, indeed. Mm. Uh, the character Corky Corcoran... Uh, that we heard about in this film, was the name of the cameraman who was filming a promotional spot for another Clint Eastwood film (laughs) around the time. During a break in the interview, Clint Eastwood asked what the cameraman's name was and told him Corky Corcoran. Clint didn't believe him. Um, uh, Pulled out his driver's license. (laughs) Yeah. Corky's given name was John, but everyone called him Corky uh, his whole life. Clint thought it was a hell of a name and made sure it was included in the script. So, it is a good name yeah. in a film of good names. But can, yeah. you, can you imagine being Corky Corcoran and you're like, oh yeah, I'll go watch Unforgiven. Oh, I met Clint Eastwood once. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about Corky Corcoran, you'd be like, what? <laughs> be Big what? dick. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, that's what I'm going to be known for. Yeah. Go off his own foot. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If suddenly you were watching a film and it was like Daniel Buckle, known uh, community pest. It just, just kind of makes me think of, you know, the, um, oh, what is it? The, what's the term for saying something crap about a person? Slander. Slander. Well, yeah, I think it's shit slander. talking. <laughs> no, the legal term. Um, like libel or something yeah libel libel's good yeah libel and slander yeah you generally know what i'm talking about but (laughs) apparently what you do if you're writing something and you want to use inspiration for a person i heard this off qi by the way okay uh and you want to slander someone but you don't want to get in trouble for it is what you say is you say a lie. You say, oh, this person is an awful philandering murderer with a small penis. Mm. Because um, they can then go, like, they then they have to admit to all of them or none of them yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you can't, you can't pick and choose. Yeah. So it's like, that is right, sir. I have a, a small dick. Yeah. No, yeah. But, yeah. But, they, but they did the opposite. They said yeah. that Corky Corcoran had a big dick in yeah. this film. So he's got right. he's got free reign. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> but he would have to prove it still. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. Maybe he'd be like, oh, it's okay, actually, guys. <laughs> it's fine. Um, the production designer, Henry Bumstead, uh, took only 30... What a name. name. There are a <laughs> so lot of good names, names in this whole film, whole production. Uh, Henry Bumstead only had 32 days to build the big whiskey set, um, and he achieved it. That's pretty good. That's almost a uh, blazing saddle speed of building a tent. Yeah, pulled his finger out of his bumstead. Mm. I'm just wondering if that includes the interiors of like the saloon and that, or are those done on sound stages? I would assume they were done on sound stages, but I don't know for sure. Because then that that makes a bit more sense if you're just doing the exteriors. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's still that's quite a feat as quite someone a few as someone who cannot put two pieces of wood together. Mm. Um, oh, little Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but I still feel like like that's it's a lot. But mm. uh, by Clint Eastwood's own recollection, he was given the script for this film in the early nineteen eighties, uh, but did not immediately pursue it because, according to him, I thought I should do some other things first. End quote. He later <laughs> said he waited purposefully until he was the right age, 
and he was in the right place in his career. His biographer, Patrick McGillan, specifies that the script was presented to him in the spring of 1984 by Megan Rose, a story analyst at Warner Brothers, who Eastwood happened to be sleeping with at the time. (laughs) Now, the way that's phrased, it sounds like they're in bed, and she just goes, oh, by the way. Pulls it out from under the pillow. Yeah, and he goes, in this way. Yeah, are you trying to say I'm old? (laughs) Finished? I gotta do some things first. Gonna go meet Corky Corcus. I hear he's got a massive dick. <laughs> kind of want to put him in a film. Um, English Bob, of course, was played by Richard Harris. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are many English actors in the world. Uh, one of whom, <laughs> who was considered... Good segue. <laughs> one of whom, who was considered for the role, was Jeremy Irons. Oh! Oh, man. That... Yeah. Mm. That could have been great. I think it's better that it's Richard Harris for the yeah. whole, you know, old glories of the Old West yeah. kind of thing. But Jeremy Irons would have been fun. Mm, yes. Just him shouting, been... This whole town can go to hell. A pox it... on you. Yeah. <laughs> Be prepared. Yeah. yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. But then we wouldn't get to imagine Richard Harris hunting down Clint Eastwood mm. going, You just have to ask yourself one question. <laughs> Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> oh, no, but well, if, uh, yeah, he would have whispered it. If, yeah, now I'm imagining Michael Gambon in The Unforgiven. <laughs> he's going, Did you put your name in the Goblin Fire? Did you cut up the oh, woman's God face? <laughs> you should have a king and not a president. <laughs> Can't assassinate a queen. Uh, want to. The final bit of trivia is to do with the screenplay as well. Uh, it was written by David Webb Peoples, uh, which is not an instruction, that's a name. Um, Such a name. Uh, who debuted with uh, co-writing the screenplay for Blade Runner. Uh, Peoples had already written and sold the script for this movie back in the 1970s, but it took around 20 years before it got made. It was initially optioned for a project to be directed by Francis Ford Coppola with John Malkovich as Little Bill. Now, John Malkovich has since spoken about this and gone, oh, yeah, no, I'm the wrong choice for that character. (laughs) I think I feel so. like he is he'd be the right choice now. Yeah. But yeah, sure. Maybe but 30, in the 80s. 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. He would be too young. Yeah. Mm. Um and too weird. Yeah. Well, he's still weird, mm. but he's at least the right age now. Yeah. Um eventually Clint Eastwood got the rights uh and, you know, took a few mm. years. You know, he he was with the storyboard analyst uh, Megan Rose and then didn't make the film for 8 years. Um it does appear though um, at a party that David Webb Peoples and his wife, uh, Janet Peoples, happened to bump into Eastwood. And Janet boldly asked him if he was ever going to make the movie. <laughs> so apparently Janet was like, David Webb Peoples, my husband, I'm, I'm sick of this movie not being made. I'm going to talk to Clint right now. All right, Janet Peoples. <laughs> Janet bothers Peoples. <laughs> it's what I assume. Uh, Eastwood apparently told her that um, they were going into pre-production soon so it was okay he was... that was clearly a lie i think i think started. i think clint eastwood made this film just so that janet bothers yes. people's left him alone <laughs> <laughs> she's like make my husband's film he worked really hard on this <laughs> oh man people's are getting upset yes <laughs> look we have little people's one little people's two <laughs> uh yeah look it's been a great film for names uh but oh. now it's time to see if this is a great film for scores because yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to give this film a score katrina it was your first time watching unforgiven what score would you give it out of 10 i'm really not sure and normally i'd probably park it around a seven mm. but i don't know if it's quite seven mm. like it is good um 
And it did give me more pause for thought than than I think some other Westerns have. Mm. Um, to, yeah, I think all said and done, probably a six and a half skinny, fatty, thirsty, <laughs> shady <laughs> people <laughs> out of ten. Yeah, Pop thirsty. Poor guy. <laughs> They're in the desert. Everyone's thirsty. Yeah. How did he get that nickname is what I want to know. Yeah, and the man who lost his canteen didn't get the nickname. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't lose it himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the Schofield, Schofield, kid. Schofield kid just took it and was like, here, I'm proving my eyesight to you. Mm. He was short-sighted, though, because they needed that water for later. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely Very short-sighted. Good. Very good. They didn't pick it up again. I was shot. You know, it's, just leave it. They didn't, they didn't know about littering. Could have plugged the holes. Didn't know about littering back then. Uh, what about yourself, Dan? Yeah, I'm struggling a bit too. Um, it, it's it's not aged as terribly as I had assumed that mm. it would have. Like yeah, I, t- yeah. Yeah, I, I came today being like, oh, I remember liking it. It's going to be awful. Particularly with some of the things, particularly now with some of the things that Clint Eastwood has said yes. on various mm. topics. Mm. Um, I, was, oh, I was worried about I mean, that. in relation to this film, before he got the Academy Award, he'd said um, many times that he would never get the Academy Award because uh, he wasn't Jewish and he mm. didn't Ooh. make the right type of films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a bit of trivia that I, I chose not to include <laughs> when I was going for my trivia list because I was like... Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. he's, he's confirmed again that he's fairly racist um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure a fair, a fair few other ists or isms yeah. come up, but yeah. yeah. Unsurprising, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Have you forgiven him though? Or is he uh, no no because that is that is not my right as a <laughs> as a white cisgendered person that is not my right <laughs> fair enough so he remains unforgiven, unforgiven. yes I guess so mm. Dan we still await a score yeah so I'm I'm struggling <laughs> um so yeah it, it has an age as poorly as I thought um it's more beautifully shot than I remember um uh yeah I I did like it and I'm trying to compare it with like other westerns that I can recall. And yeah, it, it, it definitely holds its own against most of the others that I can think of. Mm. Um, but then, I don't know. I don't think I was as entertained as I remember being in some of the old shitty Westerns mm. where you, you go in just to see yeah, an old fashioned superhero movie sort of thing. You know what? I am going to give it seven and a half boasted killed men. Um, <laughs> that was a weird way to put it. No, no, that's fair. Uh, yeah, because I, I think I think it is a good movie. I just didn't enjoy it as much as I would probably enjoy, um, yeah, Fistful of Dollars or, or mm. something like that or Magnificent Seven. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting film, I think, for the time that it was made, for the fact that it is credited as being something that made people go, oh, Westerns are not completely awful. Mm. Maybe this is something we can do. You know, yeah, it, maybe it's been long enough. It's, it's a much more thoughtful Western mm. than I think I've seen. Mm. And, even, and I'm sure fans, including Scott, my partner, will go, but Festival of Dollars is very, very thoughtful and it's artistic and blah, 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 blah. And I'll disagree with you. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, within terms of story content and, and what it actually very openly questions, I think it's much more thoughtful. Mm. It does make me want to go and see the Japanese, the Japanese 2013 yeah. remake. Well, perhaps we can do that on this podcast yeah. one day. Well, may- maybe I'll just go ahead and watch it. No, no, no. go ahead and watch it. Yeah. Because we'll need someone that's seen it. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I 
I, I suspect Rob Woods might have seen it, but I can't yeah. say for certain. Knowing Rob Woods, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I really enjoyed this, even though I sit here still a little bit confused as to why I enjoyed it. Yeah. There are things which feel clunky, but I'm enjoying it I feel like it's regardless. the kind of thing that if you look down into the minutiae, you're going, oh, that's not actually very good. But as soon as you step back, it's, it's fine. Mm. Ironically, if you have the opposite type of vision level as the Showfield kid, it's a better <laughs> film. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got long term long vision, you can be yeah. like, Oh yeah, I can see the benefit this has. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all right though. You know, you get a little bit of the rootin' tootin' shootin' mm. and lootin'. Um, hey, without this we wouldn't have Wild Wild West. And where would we be then? That's true. A wiki wiki where would we be then? <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to give it a seven and a half ducks of death out of ten. Ah, the ducks of death. Very nice. I do want to know how many of those characters could actually read. I'm, like, gu- I'm guessing... Like the, that, that, yeah. whole, that whole little joke did make me think. I'm like, don't, does little Bill just have really poor vision? Like the Schofield kid. Hmm. Schofield kid, however you say it. Hmm. Or, or is he just literally doing it to needle both um, English Bob and... And the writer. Yeah. I don't know. He does seem to, like, focus when he's reading from that thing before, but he's, he also does it in a kind of, like, faux, you know, oh, let me just check what it says here. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, reckon, he, I reckon he could read. Uh, maybe maybe well it's enough. a bit of both. Can't read instructions for how to build a house, though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for damn clear. Alan Key? What the hell's an Alan Key? I don't know Alan Key. Oh, we shot him back in 53. <laughs> He was the locksmith, Alan Gay. He was great. I mean, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Uh, well, Katrina, Dan, thank you so much for joining me on this episode uh, and for watching Unforgiven with me. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank you. And you do not need to be forgiven for making me watch this. Woohoo! In fact, I think you're Magnificent Seven. I'll take it. Uh, for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Um, we are rapidly coming up on our trilogy uh, of films, which Ooh. we can announce because uh, we've yeah. announced it on our Facebook page. The Kung Fu Panda Trilogy. Yeah. The Unforgiven of the Animation World. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to assume. Uh, but yes, we're going to be reviewing all three of the Kung Fu Panda films in the coming weeks. So uh, if you want to hear them, make sure you are subscribed. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of those services um, to hear what we think of those films. And indeed, all the other films that we're going to review in the future. And all the ones we've already reviewed. Mm. Do you want to hear our reviews of Westerns like... Uh, fistful of dollars and the good the bad and the ugly well guess what we've got you covered we and already I'm did on them. one of them <laughs> yeah we are, we are, we, we've already done them you can go back you can watch them um uh, listen to them and let us know what you think uh, we're also available to be found on facebook for news and updates about the program just search for the cinema catch-up club on facebook and finally there is our patreon uh, just search for us over at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and for as little as a dollar a month you get all sorts of bonus goodies features updates that sort of thing but that is all for this week so until next time goodbye bye and goodbye <laughs> i was trying to think i was trying to think of a like good bad and the ugly i was like ugly bye that doesn't goodbye that bad doesn't bye ugly bye they, yeah. what, what the go. goodbye should be is we don't say anything but just a wall of text goes over the phone that they're listening to this on <laughs> just going Daniel went home that day and ate some pie. <laughs> Stephen went back to work. Seriously, Sam, it, 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 that whole moment made me go, are we in 
are we in the Gone with the Wind? Yeah. And just, just the fact that it was, you know, his wife's, his dead wife's mother turned yeah. up to find out what had happened to her only daughter and just found the gravesite. It just felt like that's not something that was discussed in the film. Yeah. yeah. It could have literally said anything. It could have been uh, penicillin was uh, used 50 years later that would have treated the diseases that most of these characters had. It would have been just as plot relevant to yeah. what they had. <laughs> Unless they were going for Unforgiven 2 in which the mother assumes the worst. Good night, Boogaloo. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Unforgiven so, 2, Goodnight Boogaloo. Where Ruth Wood plays yeah. Clint's uh, mother-in-law. Yes. And she's like, I'll teach you to cut me out of the film. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.